Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Incomparable, number 599, January 2022. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and we're going to be talking in this episode about a Disney Plus Marvel TV series. It is Hawkeye. Starring, yeah, and people were like, why would there be a show about Hawkeye? Who wants to see that? And the answer is, I kind of wanted to see it because I, like several of the other people here who were on a podcast with me, oh, 11 years ago, or no, no, nine years ago, sorry, nine years ago, episode 157, you can look it up. Uh, it, it, we were intrigued by the fact that just as Jeremy Renner was beginning to inhabit the movie part of Hawkeye, there came a comic book that told a different story about a bunch of guys in tracksuits who said bro and a dog with one eye who uh, was lucky and about uh, a Kate, Kate Bishop Hawkeye plus the regular Hawkeye. And it was a delightful comic series. And now here we are. All this time later, and they sort of made it into a TV show, but kind of not, but sort of. Anyway. Indistinguishable from the original. We're going to be discussing it now. Let me introduce my panel. He jumped the gun and revealed everything. Spoiler alert, he was his own spoiler. It was Chip Sutterth. Hello, Chip. Jason in purple, Hawkeye stunning. (laughs) Cicero Holmes is also here. Hi, Cicero. Uh, Is what heroes do is arrest their mothers on Christmas Eve. Mm, sometimes, if if sometimes. But Lisa Schmeiser is also here. I don't have any relevant quotes. I'm just happy to be here. It's good. Well, you were on that uh, original Hawkeye episode, which is great. Yes. So is Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Mm-hmm. Jason, there must be some mistake. I've never worked a day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten to my favorite character already. All right. So, uh, so yeah, this is interesting because I, I think what we could say about this show, for th- anybody who has... Uh, read the Matt Fraction authored comic series. It is clearly inspired by it, but also not really an adaptation of it. More like sort of taking some inspiration and some elements from it. Uh, the uh, The title sequence is clearly inspired by uh, the art of it. Uh, unfortunately, the artist not compensated for that because it's Disney and they don't pay anybody. Uh, <laughs> but it is clearly inspired by it. There are the tracksuit mafia. Uh, it is about uh, Clint and Kate and their relationship and there's a dog, but it's also a very different kind of story because they got to fit it into the MCU and they've got their six episodes to tell their story. Um, so I-, I wanted, especially for people who read those comics, did everybody here read those comics? 
Yes. I did. No. I did, yes. Uh, Cicero. I reread them. I did not. Cicero did not. Okay, well, Cicero, you're going to yeah. be fascinated when we talk about a thing that you didn't read. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I just, I mean, I, I wanted to start there, which is, uh, like, I will make my initial admission, and then I'd like to know from the other people who read it. I... It took me a couple of episodes to accept the fact that while this looked kind of like that thing that I read and loved and bought in hardcover and have in a place of honor in my home, I had to accept that it wasn't really that, but more like a, a show that took what it wanted from it. I like had to get over the fact that this was not an adaptation, but more like a, you know, again, a, a, something that took the parts that it wanted to and used them in a different way. How did you all feel about that? I, I reread it actually a few months ago because I was gearing up for the show and in reading it and, and having not read it for several years um, and, and being very fluent now in the MCU and where everything was, I was just reading through this thinking, well, they can't just adapt this. It would make absolutely no sense in this in the MCU. Right. Right? Hawkeye That's lives, not where Haw any of the characters Hawkeye's are. Hawkeye's single and lives in an apartment. Yeah, just, exactly. You know. You're going to have to do a lot of bending over backwards, and it doesn't seem like it would really be a great <laughs> fit. But I do think what the show managed to accomplish is that it is a it is definitely a love letter to those comics, embodied by the relationship between Clint and Kate, which is... You know, the dynamic between the two of them as sort of a mentor, mentee, uh, snarky back and forth, like, I, I think that's such a huge element of what makes the comics work that they tried to import a lot of that here. And in that, I think they were extremely successful. But I think I was very willing to go in feeling like, all right, this is not going to be an adaptation of these comics. It, it simply cannot be. But I hope that it takes away a lot of the flavor and tone and things that I enjoy about those. And, and in that, I think it, it absolutely succeeded. Yeah, I got to know the character Hawkeye best from the old, old, old West Coast Avengers days. And that that era of the Marvel main universe, Hawkeye, you know, kind of goofy, uh, not not exactly born to lead an Avengers team, you know, um, and the Hawkeye of the Fraction and AHA series is a, sort of an extension of that, you know, uh, uh, he fails. He, he frequent failure, always getting beaten up. Um, I, I'm I'm searching for the right word, but this guy, <laughs> yeah, and exactly, and and then yeah. trying to plaster elements from that comic onto this Hawkeye, who was introduced. I I think the phrase "duller than dishwasher" <laughs> dishwater is overused, perhaps, mm. but um. The Hawkeye that was introduced in Thor and then in the Avengers is based on the ultimate Marvel universe yeah. uh, Hawkeye. Not which interesting is much, in any way. Not interesting <laughs> in any way. So this is a reclamation effort. Yeah, I'm going to disagree a little bit only because I think that the Hawkeye in Ultimates was interesting with the way he was written as having this pretty sharply bifurcated life, where on the one hand, he runs around with a group of equally amoral superhero figures and gleefully murders people in quips. But on the other hand, he's got a partner in kids. And that was that, that's some nice narrative tension, some stakes in the comic, right? Um, but I think I'm on the record on at least one episode of The Incomparable saying that the problem is you can't put ultimates hawkeye in the mcu which is what they clearly did yeah and um then and they kept shoehorning things in with the ultimate story like he does have oh he has a surprise wife he has a, he has surprised children and 
when this show came out, I thought it was incredibly clever for the writers to take the stuff that worked from the Hawkeye comic and use it to effectively put their big Hawkeye mistake to bed, <laughs> which is what they've done. They've basically like closed the door on that. We're going to forget that he was, you know, based on, you know, an extreme early Audis murderbot kind of guy. And now he's basically like Avengers dad. So, well, and you can bring him oh. back with like phone calls to the future where like Kate can call him from uh, job sites where she's shooting aliens or whatever. And he could be like, have you tried this arrow? And like, <laughs> <laughs> like they can use him as like the dude who ends up doing like tech support on arrows during battles. So it was really interesting how they took this the sensibility from the Fractions comics and used it to to rewrite and bury the history <laughs> of of the really bad characterization they had done for, for the for the movies. Well, at Mac, Matt Fractions comic again eight nine years ago, I think the passage of time really has allowed exactly what you said, Lisa, to happen, which is. The Hawkeye of, like, Thor is not the guy you would see in this. They they have, time has gone on to the point where they can now do the version of Hawkeye who is too old for this crap, right? And that allows them to kind of say, all right, it's not that, that this guy has been through a lot. He, he you know, he, he, he saw uh, Natasha die on that on that alien planet uh he feels really bad he's got his family uh that we've that we've now met um he's been through a lot he's lost a lot of people um he's he's kind of over it in a way that when we met hawkeye in the mcu uh he wasn't gonna be that and so by waiting you give uh him this chance and i, I gotta say you know i know a lot of people don't like Jer jeremy renner and he, he in real life he seems to be a really kind of weird dude but I think he did, he gives a great performance in this. I think yes. he really does sell the whole, I'm just really tired and I don't want to be here, but I can't <laughs> leave. So let's just yeah. get this over with. Like, I think he does a really good job of being yeah. something close to what that sad sack Hawkeye in the comic is just getting there from a totally different place. Close enough. Anyway, I, I I disagree with Lisa in terms of I don't think it's burying. I think it's advancing the character. Uh, he's still the same character, uh, just a natural outgrowth of uh, who that guy was over years, over experiences, you know, warming him up to the family and introducing a, a new character as a foil and partner to really bring out some different sides to him. I still think he's the same dude. He's mm. just way more enjoyable now <laughs> I, was say, I i don't think avengers did right by him uh but that's it, also it it's, a, it's a time it's, for him <laughs> exactly that's a challenge of trying to put together okay we have to plausibly bring these people together and give them something to fight blah 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 like that's a logistics issue um and one of the things i had liked about his character were like the low beat um the, the low key beats where again he really does seem to be like your your dad avenger where he steps in with Wanda several times with right. if you're, you know, if you're going to walk out of this, you're an Avenger. If not stay here, I'll send your brother for you later. It's okay. Maybe there's some snacks. Um, <laughs> and that was kind of the energy that he kept bringing back to, to a lot of the, the movies um, like in Captain America, civil war, he ends up basically dadding Ant-Man <laughs> for a while. <laughs> and, and what I enjoyed in the series is, you know, we see him with his, with his 
actual children. Like, and he's very much dad on vacation with the kids and trying to make memories and, and a little nervous about it. But the way he steps into a relationship with Kate, where part of it is mentorship, but part of it is simply this kid doesn't have a father. And like, there's just some sort of weird thing in his wiring where he's like, fine, I have to watch out for her. And he even does it with echo. Mm -hmm. Right. Where like he has the conversation with her where this woman who has been trying to kill him and maybe threatening his family. He's like, look, you realize they're using you. It's not going to end well for you. Let me give you some advice. Exactly. Yeah. And also, have you checked the tire pressure lately? I'm worried about that. (laughs) Even a little bit with Yelena, too, I think. And we'll Uh talk about that. But like, yes, he did that. So, so that was basically it. Like he is, he is basically, are you a teenage superpowered or young woman in, in the MCU who perhaps has father issues? Hawkeye can be your dad for a minute. <laughs> Cicero, what do you think about this, uh, this Clint Barton? Yeah, well, I, what's, what's funny is that like, I didn't come into the show, into the series with the same uh, nerd baggage that the rest of you came in with. <laughs> Um, I resemble that remark. I have so much nerd please, baggage, I have to check that please, nerd baggage. Cicero, it's a nerd quiver, okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> I have a nerd baggage nerd scale, baggage. so carry right. on. <laughs> um, but, but so, like, what's what's funny is hearing that and realizing, of course, right, like, everything, everything that, we, that we've watched in the MCU is derivative of something that we've seen in the comics and, and slightly mm-hmm. altered. Um, but, yeah, this sounds like this was, Hawkeye is, like, the fractions quick fire challenge um you know Ooh. like they just took all of the ingredients and they they gave it to somebody and was like all right here here are the ingredients mm. now now go ahead and make a series out of that and what what has been cool about clint barton is that everybody's been right like everyone that's said something about hawkeye and clint barton and and jeremy renner have been right um but what we've been allowed to do is as we learn more about who Hawkeye is, uh, who Clint Barton is, they remove some walls. And that allows Jeremy Renner to portray the character with more, uh, a little bit softer, right? Every, every iteration, every time we learn something new, he gets to play him a little bit more sympathetic, right? He's still the same guy, but it's, it's almost like we're seeing him different but he's been the same person all along. It's it's kind of cool in that all the other, I mean, when you think about it, right, like with the exception of Black Widow sort of posthumously getting her own movie, Hawkeye is obviously the Avenger who doesn't really have an origin story. And in this sense, we sort of get his origin story in reverse, where we, uh, over the course of the MCU, we, as Cicero was saying, we sort of peel back layers on this guy and realize there's, at first you think like, he's a guy with a bow. What else do I need to know? Uh, <laughs> and then we, unpe- you know, we unpack that a little bit and we spend some time with his family and we see his relationship with some of the other Avengers. And as Lisa says, being sort of a father figure and a mentor to a lot of them and realizing, okay, he's this sort of former spy. He's kind of out of the life, but he also has these you know feelings of responsibility I think probably a lot of which date back to his time with Natasha, you know, with sort of his brief, uh, the brief, brief voice cameo we get of him in Black Widow and like the story we've sort of put together from what happened there. Um, And that's kind of it's it's another way to handle this, like rather than sort of info dump it down into a Black Widow movie, kind of like they did. We actually get to sort of spend some time stretching out this character and getting this sort of reverse origin story for how did this guy we see the end result, but how did he get to where he is? 
A decade later, they actually do something with the fact that he's the sort of person who can bring Natasha in from the cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It took a decade yeah. to get there. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it was or, worth it. What a payoff. A couple yeah. hundred <laughs> incomparable episodes, really. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, we've several. been working on this. We've been several. working on this problem for years, people. Right. Several hundred. I, I, um, I want to move to Haley Steinfeld as Kate because that's the other. This is a double act. And I know that there is a cynical way to view this. I think I said this about the Black Widow movie too, where it's like they introduce Yelena and they're like, oh yeah, sure, there's got to be Black Widow 2 because they killed the first one off, so we got to meet the second one. But like, and so I guess you can look at this cynically and say, well, yeah, they're making young versions and new versions of these characters who the the actors are going to age out and their contracts are up and they're expensive or whatever. And yet, you know, the, the Fraction comic is about Kate Bishop too, and the idea that Kate Bishop in the comic is also Hawkeye. One of the things about the comic is that they call each other Hawkeye back and forth, and I kept yeah. waiting for that to happen. And of course, they save it to the yeah. very end of yep. the series, <laughs> and it's a great payoff. But what I thought was interesting is in introducing Kate Bishop, they've got to do a lot of work that the comic didn't have to do because she was an established character in saying, "Here is this young woman who is basically." another Hawkeye or the new Hawkeye, however you want to think of it. And not only did I really like her performance, I thought she was really good, but I thought the way they handled the character as, because you're like, how could there be another Hawkeye? And they're like, okay, here's how, which is, and you tell the story, like she was an athlete and she learned how to shoot arrows among all sorts of other things and to fight and to do all these things that a superhero kind of person would need to do. Um, and there's, and there's a reason for it. And she is kind of screwed up and she destroys, uh, parts of her college campus at the beginning when we first meet her. Right. So she's a screw up, but she's also brilliant, which is like the perfect material for a character like this. And I just, I, you know, I, I thought that the way they handled her was pretty, uh, pretty great. The fact that we see that she is this, uh, very privileged person, but also kind of from a tragic backstory. And she finds out just sort of like how, she already knew how privileged she was, but then she finds out that it's it's way worse than that uh, <laughs> as it goes along. And like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed uh, how they handled Kate and I uh, and I think Haley Steinfeld's performance was was good, mm-hmm. and she's literally. I mean, but as the show goes along, you, you you actually almost kind of believe that she looks up to Hawkeye, which is like, <laughs> I mean, I, you, you got to give the unsung hero of the MCU or a person who doesn't I think get enough credit is Sarah Hall- Sarah Halle Finn, who is the casting director for pretty much every movie. Oh, uh, she's and so good! Holy cow! Do they? Uh-huh. I mean, like Haley Steinfeld is a great cast here, and I yeah. mean, like she basically steals every single scene until Florence Pugh shows up later on and right, like right and commits I mean, that's, grand that's, larceny that's, oh, right you, you do not think that somebody will see but like I, we'll get into that but I yeah mean, Haley Steinfeld is really great I think her dynamic with Jeremy Renner is really good she does manage to really embody the sort of what we know of Kate Bishop and certainly like bring Kate Bishop into the MCU in the sense of this this young woman who is extremely cocky um, and extremely like, you know, into this whole like idea of helping people and being a superhero, but in a way that I think generally isn't annoying or irritating. Like it's just, it's genuine. It's, um, it's kind of endearing into in like how much she really believes in all of this. Uh, And, and I think she's a great character. She really is just the enthusiasm that bleeds off of her in every single scene is what makes this show really like 
just to me a ride worth following is just yeah. she is so into the entire thing and so gung-ho she just she's a force of nature always moving the plot forward and that is a great thing for a show like this to have as much as this series draws from matt Fraction's series um this kate bishop is not the same as the comics kate bishop right just in just the same way that this clint barton isn't the same um there you can't turn jeremy renner into the lovable loser and I think one of the interesting things that they do is they take some of that put upon stuff and lay it on to Haley Steinfeld. Um, she's got as many bandages going on over the course of these six episodes as Jeremy Renner does. Uh, she's not the brains of the outfit the way that Kate Bishop kind of is in some parts of the old comic they trade off a little bit. And I really, really like that. I don't think that, um, I, I I think that as the series goes on, Clint warms up, opens up, dad's up. <laughs> and, uh, and Haley as, as Kate, uh, Kate becomes a little more grounded, a little more responsible, but Kate takes as many punches as Clint does. Mm all series long and i i think that that's really neat she was the only one beat up by the kingpin right (laughs) Mm -hmm. right. she has the one-on-one with the kingpin Kingpin, right (laughs) that's her coming of age moment right that's like you took on this terrible terrifying guy and you and you survived which is all first of all how how much do you love that we basically have a second generation avenger which is what she's going to be let's not be coy Uh, Mm -hmm. um but the second generation avengers origin story starts with the avengers origin story yeah mm-hmm. right which which right. is just like on the one hand it makes one feel old because that means the marvel universe has been around long enough for a legit generation to roll over and be replaced. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but what i really enjoyed over about kate's evolution over the course of the six episodes is she goes from being confident that just because she's worked hard at being a hero it's all going to work out to discovering exactly how tilted a playing field is and understanding that the narrative of heroics is not as straightforward as she thought it was as a kid watching the avengers take down the aliens who were about to who were about to you know hit her penthouse apartment and the conversation she has with Yelena is great because it's really the first time anyone's pushed pushed back against this idea of, oh, oh, you think he's a hero because he's done this. Well, I, I've seen him do the same thing, and I have the exact opposite opinion. And you can just watch all sorts of pennies dropping behind mm-hmm. Kate's eyes as she's all, okay, I really need to think about what a hero means and how these actions reverberate out. And I'm doing this now, too. And oh, my God. <laughs> and, it's got like, that. Yeah. It's got that feeling of, uh, I'm sure all of us getting older have that feeling mm-hmm. of the more you know, the less you know, oh, yeah. right? right? Like the, right. The, the more you, or the more you realize you don't know, right? Like as you keep going, you're like, oh, I feel like at, at 22, I feel like I've got the world pretty well figured out. <laughs> and then the older you get, you're like, oh no, I don't know anything. Look, the Kate Bishop in episode one would not have turned her mom over to the police. Sure. She would have cheerfully bought the lies and continued on her way. And she learns how to observe her mom over the course of the episodes, too. Like, you watch her watching her mom. And um, 
and Jack, which is just a sweet scene. And she realizes that, oh my gosh, my mom has this whole life that's separate from me. And first you think it's that young adult thing where you're like, oh my God, my parents are people. She's having that moment. And then you realize that that knowledge can also be used to be like, oh my God, my mom is a criminal. (laughs) (laughs) This is her separate life from me. If I'm going to be a hero, what are the hard things I'm going to do? And, you know, Putting your mom in jail mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve is one of them. It's not being able to shoot an arrow, right? Like that's the sort no. of the point. Is she's she's not a complete. Even though she's very capable in fighting and shooting arrows and stuff like that, the the point of the whole thing and sort of Hawkeye's point with her is is you don't want to do this. It's much harder than you expect. You know there are a lot of issues with it. And by the end, you get the sense that she's at least on the path to realizing all of the other things that you have to really kind of like sign up for if you're really going to walk down this path. Just I shoot arrows good is not, does not qualify you to be an Avenger uh, because you really need to like check the boxes and say, yes, I agree to all the terrible things that come with this job. Yeah, I I agree completely. Uh, What's funny for me about Kate Bishop and Haley Steinfeld, for whatever reason, the entire series, she felt like, Penny from Inspector Gadget for, for me, right? Like she <laughs> Go was, on. right? She, she was very confident, brain? right? Right, she, <laughs> right? Yeah, Lucky was brain. Um, yeah, that makes sense. She she was very confident, sometimes precociously confident, right? Like in this in this way that like like you know like exactly like you said, Dan, where we don't. We're too young to realize that we shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't be as confident about the things that we are we're confident about. Um, but I, I was, oh man, I sat there like a kid on Saturday morning, which makes me old, uh, and you know, and just ate it up, ate it up like cereal. It was so much fun to just watch all of that happen, right? And 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 the focus definitely was Kate Bishop. It was. Everything that she was doing brought everything else, uh, you know, just kind of it. She was the spice to to every dish, every scene right. that she was in. It was incredible. I also ate it up like cereal, specifically Count Chocula. There you go. <laughs> I was uh, I reference was, uh, acknowledged. Yes, I was a Frankenberry. Yeah, Frankenberry. That's yeah. good. Specifically, Frankenberry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just again, good, great casting. Um, because this is, you know, at its core, what is this show? That's why I like the whole idea that in the Hawkeye comic that they're both Hawkeye. Is here. It's not just about Clint as Hawkeye. It's about Kate becoming Hawkeye. That's it's both of those things, and him showing her the ropes and. And, uh, and, you know, not believing that she, she, she's a pest at the beginning, but by the end, he's like, all right, okay, you've kind of earned your stripes here a little bit and you can come to the house for Christmas and it, all right. Okay. Right. Like it, that's, that's what it's about. And, and I thought that was a beautiful thing that it's, it, that they really do take you on that journey with Kate. Like Clint is Clint like throughout and he's rolling his eyes and he's like, geez, and I really want to just get home. But like Kate has, a, has that journey, that emotional journey, uh, the acceptance of, of all the kind of messy stuff involved. And she has to talk to, she has to fight Kingpin. She has to talk to Yelena. She has to like go through all the sort of the steps, you know, the steps you have to go through to be a superhero and she has to take care of the dog yeah Uh, right true and i i like that they mainly keep i I think what i enjoyed the most about this series is that unlike a lot of the other series we've seen which i agree are perhaps more ambitious 
This one, you know, having sort of almost a street level, as they often called sort of the, you know, the old Netflix shows and stuff right. like that, to me is really appealing, especially seeing somebody like Hawkeye who, you know, as we've talked about, gets beat up a lot, right? He is a, he is an ordinary dude. <laughs> he is a dude who shoots arrows and hangs out with a bunch of superpowered people. Um, and so having that element, I think, fe- feels very relatable. Uh, and, it, and it brings a lot to the story because it, we are dealing with something that is a threat and it is big, but at the same time, the stakes are kind of small. And so as a result, our characters are doing things that are very plausible in a lot of cases, right? They're getting in punch-ups. Uh, you know, they're they're doing uh, shooting arrows at things or, you know, I, I think can't... <laughs> my, in my head, I think about that last episode where uh, Kate has to stop Yelena from going to kill Clint and she presses all the buttons in the elevator. <laughs> it's like, it's a stupid idea, but it's so good because it's like, I, I can't beat you. I know I can't beat you. I'm just going to be annoying. Uh, yeah. and, and I think elements like that really make this work because it's like these two sort of scrappy underdogs trying to do what they can just to sort of keep everything, you know, keep a lid on everything. But at the same time, you know they're kind of fighting uphill here, and I and I really appreciate that element. It is a it is a sort of a trope that always rings well with me. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Um, if I have an issue with this, uh, before we get on to some of the supporting characters and all, there's a lot to get through here. I wanted to mention <laughs> an issue I have with the story, which is this... I think it's clear that part of the creative brief for this series was let's it's about Clint. So let's talk about his time uh, during the the blip as (laughs) Ronan, where he's doing, uh, you know, sword stuff and killing lots of bad guys. And, you know, I could see how there's a creative brief of like, well, if we're going to do a Hawkeye show, we should he should have to grapple with his decision to be Ronan and it should you know come back to haunt him and he needs to he needs to be responsible for the fact that he killed a lot of people although you know they were all bad as Arnold Schwarzenegger would tell you (laughs) but still he killed a lot of people and you know I don't think this show's heart is just in it like I feel like the show is like yeah Ronan I guess it causes some trouble for Clint. But like, did Clint ever really have a moment where he's like, you know, I made some bad decisions as Ronan, and I, and and, and I really need to pay and 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 do penance. No. It's like, no, it just sort of no. complicates some stuff for a little while to move the plot along. But I, I don't know that that it just it's struck like having me. an embarrassing live journal only your live journalist <laughs> bodies. It's it's not a moral thing that he's even grappling with, and I think part of that is it does tie into his background, right? He was a spy and. Probably an Killed assassin. a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. An assassin. And, and I think he's From always kind of like, 
kind of, I need, I did what I needed to do and I don't, you know, I'm not going to grapple with whether it was right or wrong, but I'm going to own it. Well, like one uh, of the things that I think they could have done better in this series or by Clint period, and he references it super briefly with his conversation with Echo, which is one of my favorite moments in this whole series, is he's like, we're weapons. And we trust people yeah. to point us where they need us to go. And this shows you, like, you can choose to interpret this as, okay, this is where Clint sees his purpose, is I have a very specific set of skills. I trust the judgment of people who are going to point me where I want to go. And so maybe with that interpretation, what you're getting to is Ronan is a disaster because Ronan is Clint on his own, as opposed to being tactically deployed by Steve Rogers in the Avengers or with Natasha in S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever. But we don't really see that play out more. And we never really saw that with any of the movies. Like, it's still not clear to me why he finds Ronan to be problematic other than he made some enemies. Like, yeah. And that's what, <laughs> that's what I mean is that, is that the yeah. show, I feel like the show was given a creative brief by Kevin Feige or somebody to say, you got to deal with Ronan. And the show's kind of like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. And I don't blame the show to not no. want to deal with it. In no, fact, it, back to do a quarter. What they end up saying is, well, it's inconvenient because he killed uh, Maya's dad. And yeah. so uh, she's like, mad at him. A, like, <laughs> okay. He killed a lot of people, though. I mean, and, and, the, and the costume, I'll just, I'll just say the costume is a MacGuffin, right? Like, the yeah, costume is a, just. It's a shaggy dog, yeah. But Yelena comes the closest to it when, you know, she tips her own hand on her own personality and her own perceptions when she's like, look, he's the sum of all of the really terrible things he's done. And, like, she's the only person in the MCU to really call out the fact that, that by some interpretations, Clint Barton's a serial killer. <laughs> you know i mean say say what you will about his effectiveness in clearing out the yakuza if, if that's how he unwinds after a stressful day of missing of, of losing his family in the blip that's 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 still like you know light mass murder as a hobby well he's you know i mean he's 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 gotta strive for something the, the <laughs> goals the pr- Right. The, my, my goal is to be the punisher apparently. right I, and so i i think that there was definitely some thought maybe behind uh bringing that ronin character to together in in this but i i think you're i think you're absolutely right jason it was the MacGuffin that kept the plot going um until they decided to find other things like uh i i know we're going to talk about this but i am so confused by jack's character I'm so oh, I, I'm I loved him, I loved so him. I loved him so much, but I'm so confused He's by it. He's just a red herring. That's the entire thing. Yeah. He's entirely a red herring. And I thought it was executed so weirdly, but also you just wanted to know like what is this guy's it's the swordsman? Like, he's the swordsman. Yeah, he, I know he's the swordsman, but he's not really no, the swordsman. He's just so beautifully. He's just a rich guy who likes swords. <gasps> But yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. He's literally a rich dilettante who got really into swords. Yep. And you think like, oh, that's sinister. That's weird. Who gets into swords? And you're like, well, just this guy who has too much money. What, what is what I like about it is that is that you could argue that Kate is a rich dilettante who got into arrows, right? Right. Yep. And so it's that it's that contrast that I think is interesting. With but you're right. You're thinking you're like, oh, he's behind it. What's it going to be? Well, he's in Marvel Comics. He's a swordsman. What does it mean? And the answer is, it doesn't mean any of that stuff. He's literally he's everything. He appears to be. Yeah. yeah. He's a patsy. He's the distraction for Eleanor being yeah. the real he's a, being yeah. the real bad he's guy a the, there. Uh and and that is delightful. I, I I hadn't thought about it, you know. Yeah, she he's a mirror image of Kate. 
he he's got the sword she's got the arrows um, but I mean, just, I, I just I enjoyed him immensely. Tony Dalton's performance oh, is really good. It's good. Just just scenery chewing, and like the fact that you then, in retrospect, look back and realize how genuine you like. You read the book about being a stepdad because right. he really did he believe really in it. Did. Yeah, he really did. And I, I I quoted his line up at the top, but that for me is one of the best lines of the series, where he's getting arrested and hauled away, and he's just like, right. no, 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 this is a mistake. Right. I, I've never worked a day in my life. Uh, or or when he pulls out the sword. At the end and start stabbing, <laughs> stabbing people right. randomly. Like the only Sloane I'm familiar. Finally. I dated a Sloane in Palm Beach, but she was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've dreamed of this to... moment. Now is my you... time where swordplay ever... is useful. <laughs> Have you ever been LARPing? Uh, speaking of LARPing, right? Like that's oh, that's because that, that's comes. I knew that was coming. That's another that's, that's another theme, sort of right? leisure activity. Yeah. Well, I mean, so we we should uh, while we're talking about Jack the Swordsman, we should talk about the LARPers. There's a uh, there's there's LARPers in this people as a reason you know it's kind of like rolling a bunch of things together it's like how do they get from point A to point B a bunch of times and they get some costumes out of it and they get to they, they get they get a like a, a group of people who they can put earpieces in and send to the thing at the rainbow room on episode six so that they can have a team like a little little uh little crack team of LARPer slash police officers and stuff like that but it's a it's a fun detail I it leads also it leads to a moment that I didn't think they were going to do, but they actually do, where all the LARPers are doing their play battles and Hawkeye walks right through them and yeah. he's doing his Hawkeye moves to get past <laughs> all of their little swords and stuff, which was hilarious because, again, I, I, I that was one of those moments where I was just like, they went there, didn't they? They they did it. They did the slow motion. Hawkeye dodges all of the blows of the LARPers' fake weapons. Uh, so good. And it's real, and he's simultaneously having fun and can't believe he's doing yeah. this stupid yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's when he yeah. mutters, I fought Thanos. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just such tired dad energy yeah. where he's like, I would really rather just be on the couch mm. playing a little PUBG mobile. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, he, but he likes them, and he, and he kind of gets, you know, like, I like that he develops the friendship with Grills. Grills. And, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, again, a very, a, an adaptation of a comic character that is a hundred percent different not from that just, character, yeah, but still, but still ha- fulfills some of the same sort of role in some ways of having him have a, just a normal, f- you get the feeling Clint doesn't have a lot of normal friends, right? No. Regular friends, like, you know, people he just goes and has a beer with other than the Avengers mm-hmm. and they only have shawarma. Yeah, that's right. They only have shawarma. <laughs> um, Steve doesn't drink. Come on. Uh, no. Uh, and I think that's kind of fun to just see him. I love the scene where he's like, tells Grills, like, you can call me Clint. It's fine. You know, and he's like, what? You're, you're an Avenger. Like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like, And I enjoy that relationship. Uh, I think it develops well throughout the series. And it just it humanizes Clint a lot, too, because well, it, it puts him in a position of dealing with just ordinary people. And you remember... He too is just an ordinary person, even though he is an Avenger. Yeah, I mean, he was so grim and stiff in the early uh, in the early movies, and this yeah. just loosens him up so much. I was gonna say, how many minutes of Clint Barton material did we really ever get in all those movies he was in? Right. Not not right. a lot. Right. And here we get minutes, maybe. here yeah. we get six, whatever, forty five minute long segments with him. Like this really is what you're doing a TV series to do, which is actually open it up a little and get to deal with like who is this guy how does he re- interact with other people at this point they're f- super famous so we i think i think it's really interesting that moment where he's like call me clint because it's like part of what he's doing here is dealing with the fact 
that he used to be a super secret assassin and now he's a famous hero and like wow talk about whiplash like to go from secret bad person who kills people to for good reasons but still it's bad to just a, he's great and everybody knows it like and how do you deal with that like that's a, that's a real whiplash and then also he's dealing with the fact that like people are coming up to him and saying whether whether it's Kate or Grills saying oh it's Hawkeye he's amazing and and he's like just don't no. <laughs> right like, like, <laughs> and, and you didn't get to deal with any of that in a movie of all characters hawkeye is really in movies to move things along from point a to mm-hmm. point b and here we get to see more of that so it, the, the, all those regular you know real world interactions that he has i think are are fun and not things that we've ever really gotten a chance to see before because there was no time i really enjoy the fact that uh clint is given the space to also have a disability um, yeah. and, and, you know, and how they played with that. And obviously with echo and, and, uh, um, and, and I loved how they use sign language. Right. So yeah. there was, so there was real ASL that was being used for lots of the characters. And then you had Clint who, who, you know, he knows, he knows as much ASL as I know Spanish. And, and, you know, and then, and then you've got more cookies, (laughs) right? right. Then then you've got Kingpin who, who once saw a movie where there were interpreters and he believes because he saw that movie, he also knows sign language (laughs) and it's, it's just so patronizing the way, or maybe patronizing the way Mm -hmm. that Wilson Fisk, uh, has the conversations with Maya with uh with the version of sign language that he has mm. uh yeah. it's it's really it, really fun it was fascinating to me too to see this in close proximity to both uh an entirely unrelated title only murders in the building and yes. eternals both of which also featured sign language and deaf characters which i thought was I, again it was just a a weird things come in three sometimes yeah but i do love the way they handled it here both with the the subtitles, there are subtle things with the subtitles, like when Clint is talking to Maya and he doesn't know all the right words or he's sort of slow with some of the signs and things like that. Um, you know, her her lip reading at various points as well, like all of that sort of comes into play. Clint's sort of, he's not comfortable, right, with his whole, with the disability thing. He takes his hearing aids out at the at the musical he, you know, is he can't he gets to ignore Kate at one point when he's his hearing aid is broken and all that. Like it's an interesting playing around with this guy who is not, you know, he is uh, unlike Maya. He is not deaf from birth, and so it is a adaptation for him. He is something he is sort of coming to terms with, and that's an interesting experience as well. Uh, you know, as per I've had a lot of you know friends who are disabled who point out that like. Well, a lot, many of us will have disabilities in our lifetime at some point. Right. Uh, and, and so it's a matter of finding out how you sort of, you know, deal with those things. If you live long enough, you're going to be, you need some accessibility at some right. point in your exactly. life, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, Hawkeye being deaf is also a comic book character, yep. a feature of Hawkeye, I think like a Sonic Arrow or something. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't really matter. Here he's like, you know, those... Explosions are really loud, and, and uh, it, did, it did damage. <laughs> that, oh, like I, that, that montage is just, pretty good. Just like yeah. leave it at that. But it does. It gives Jeremy Renner something to play with, and it of course obviously is there to be juxtaposed with Maya. This character, uh, Alaqua Cox, who plays Maya, who is Echo, is sort of her comic thing. And the idea there, I think, is that she she can see what you your moves and then duplicate your moves. I think is the idea. Uh, behind her kind of superpower, but it's not like super 
uh, detailed in here. By the way, before this even aired, they announced that they're going to do an Echo series for Disney+. Plus. So we'll oh, see wow. her again. Yeah. That's one of the things that they're going to go off doing. But to her credit, she had never been in anything before this. This is her first it's a, she's, role. She's, she's very, very good. And it's t- they're asking her to do a lot because she has to do all of her, her like fighting stuff. And she also, you know, her best friend betrays her. She like it's interesting because she's introduced in the show as a villain and what you come to realize and what she comes to realize is that she's been played by all these people who say that they care about her and that's why she's going to be able to have a tv show about her later is that she's not actually a villain she's been uh she's been played in this way but it, it, it is interesting that she and clint get to have those moments too because we've got this sort of new information about clint having his you know having to have his hearing aids and 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 uh and you know he's super that's one of the cool things about portraying people with disabilities in superhero contexts, right? Because it's, it's people, you end up with that mixture of like things that, that, that you could view of as a lack of something that they've got, but that they're also, you know, they have their unique things that they, that they also have as part of who they are. And like, I feel like the metaphor and the opportunity to tell those kind of stories is just magnified in, because it's all magnified in a superhero context. So Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's really fun that we've got Maya in there and that Clint is, you know, a little of the way down that path, even though his sign language is bad and he's just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Let's also not forget that Alakal Quox is not only deaf, but, uh, uh, but also an amputee. Um, Oh yeah. so which, I mean, which the show doesn't linger on. I thought. I thought it was I, like I I noticed it eventually, but it wasn't one of those things where I felt like it was like dun 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 kind of. No, there's yeah. one mo- there's one scene where like he tries to hit her with a hockey stick and it breaks across yeah. her leg, and he's, <laughs> he's just like, like hey, what? Well. And then <laughs> yeah. they just and, move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I think is interesting is in a lot of ways, Maya has a very, very similar story to Kate Bishop in that they're only daughters. They're both uh, only daughters of of single parents, more or less. A little bit of tragedy in the backstory. Both of them relentlessly driven, but for different reasons. Both of them discover that the environments in which they were raised and nurtured and, and essentially custom raised for have been toxic in some way. Um, and, and both of them are now just kind of figuring out who they are post origin story moment. And I do kind of wish we had seen a l- the parallels made a little bit more clearly mm. in the, in the show, just because it would have also done a great job of underscoring some of the messages about how sometimes being a hero is a matter of circumstance. Sometimes it's a matter of character and sometimes it's a matter of personal choice. And, and really it can go, it can go any way you want it to go. Because because arguably Maya has the potential to be another Kate Bishop. It's just she was born. Right. She was born into a criminal organization or more overtly, she was born into a criminal organization where the criminals get convicted. Um, so. <laughs> well, yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. But, but you can yeah. you should say Kate was born into privilege. And so she is but she is kind of like has to figure out her place in the world. And, and Maya was not. And she has to figure out her place in the world. And you're right. They are they are interestingly parallel or reflections of each other in that way too yeah 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 it's a good character um we we only touched on uh on kate's mom a little bit vera formiga another good bit of casting (laughs) yes uh, as as the mom and she's like holding it all together and it turns out oh no she's been working for the kingpin all along and she is not if not the big bad she is bad and of course gets turned in by kate at the end as we've talked about uh I thought for sure she had murdered Kate's dad. 
like for like four episodes. <laughs> like for four I was episodes, like, you were wow, convinced. that's a great way to like cover up a murder if it happens during the middle of an alien invasion, right? Oh my like, god, that would be great. Oh, <gasps> I no, wish. No ideas, had. Lisa. Don't take Sorry. any ideas for that. Don't oh, be near no. Lisa during an alien invasion. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the widow schmeiser. Yeah. It's just here. a good, yeah. good, good bit of casting. Uh, she plays all those levels of being mom and caring about Kate, which she does. It's very much a a I would say almost Godfather esque kind of thing, right? Which is like I don't want you to be part of the like Michael. You're supposed to be special, right? Like <laughs> it, it it is. She's like I'm I'm protecting you, honey. But you know, but she's not like I mean, she's she's in it. She's deep in it, and that's just how it is. And and Kate can't reason her out of it, right? Like this is her life. This is what she's like. And and so you get to see those different sides, and it's a good, really good. Uh, I, I, bit of casting to get an actress as good as Vera Farmiga to come in and do that part. Like, I think she did a great job. She does a great job with like morally ambivalent Mm -hmm. parents. Anyway, she was um, recently cast as Livia Soprano in the uh oh the many saints of newark right yeah yeah so she plays livia soprano did a great job with that and i remember her from bates motel where she plays norma bates and it was just this great mix of um deeply damaged woman and mom who's desperately trying her best but can't see how her own personal damage is turning her son into a killer and (laughs) there was a little bit of that going on here too where she does terrible things and she's telling herself that she does them with the best of intentions which somehow like frees her up to do things like frame her fiance for white collar crimes and uh, take out hits on the guy her daughter's running around with and, and, and things like that. So I, I hope we see more of her. I hope she gets broken out of prison somehow mm. or, or goes back to being Kate's adversary so that the two of them have to uh, plumb that relationship some more. Nice. Okay. So I should mention the tracksuit mafia. Bro. bro okay bro bro bro, bro. bro. It's, ta- it's tracksuit mafia bro so right. these guys are a recurring bit in the comics they say bro all the time they wear their adidas tracksuits uh here they are the organization around what it turns out around eleanor and the kingpin and maya like they're all part of the underworld kind of uh conspiracy that's going on here but we we meet a few of the characters they're they're well, I w- we learn about them. They're not all particularly bright, but they are all kind of interesting. We, at least a <laughs> few of them are kind of interesting as characters, but they also uh, are a good kind of running gag slash threat, which is good. And I, w- I want to use this moment to also say they are the chasers in what is, I think, mm. the one of the best action sequences I've ever ever seen in a marvel anything which is the wild car chase chase (laughs) with air with many kinds of variety pack of arrows and camera just so well done the camera that keeps moving back and forth in in what seems to be a continuous shot as you're smashing into cars and cars are smashing just just so well done and of course the track suits are are, are key to that too but I, I love that scene so much and of course the, they used it in the trailers and there's all that funny dialogue about like this is too dangerous and he's like there's more four arrows more dangerous than this <laughs> like it's a, just uh, just so good but it, it was fun to see the track suits and that's that action sequence is incredible those two guys who keep popping up are I love them I mean the whole the whole bit that comes back at the end uh, in, in episode six 
where Kate runs into the guy that she's talked to, counseled through his relationship. Right. Oh, problems. we went to see Maroon Five. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Oh, hey!" And they like catch up for a minute. He's like, and she like points to the gun. He's like, "What's this about?" It's like, "Oh, you know." Like, I, I those two guys are great. Yeah. Um, I I enjoy the scene too where Clint shoots the message in the arrow into their car, and they're like, "Oh, but we are not Maya, bro." You know? <laughs> bro, what is this uh, message? I mean, it's, they have a lot of fun with it. The Trust of Bro moving company, mm-hmm. all of that. I mean, the the the, the weird headcanon I have for the, like, you know, the kingpin who is this giant crime lord is basically in, in employing these faceless and kind of inept Russian is that, like, he got blipped and, like, he's having to rebuild his entire ah, criminal yeah. enterprise. <laughs> he's starting his way up from the bottom. Uh, but it is it is just a lot of fun, and it, it provides a great bit for the the showcase at the end, the uh, the last action sequence with Kate and Clint, uh, where oh, they get I to drag out sequence. all the arrows. And that yeah. is, boy, is that scene fantastic. What, and it, what like, I, yeah. What I want to know about the tracksuit mafia is what are their recruitment drives like? Do they because give you a tracksuit? Do you mean, have to bring your own? I mean, because they they were everywhere. They were, like in mm. that last scene in Rockefeller Center. Mm-hmm. There were thousands. Oh. It, it reminded me of like the fight right before a boss fight in a video game. They get they get, <laughs> right? they get them in from the old country. Right. Yep. That's sure. part of it. Is they're like, bro, it come, just, is come over to America, bro, like, bro. Right. And then, and then also, we give you a tracksuit, bro. If, right. if you're walking down the street and you see a guy in a tracksuit, you go, bro, you need bro. work, bro. <laughs> I have work for you. And believe it or not, maybe that's, they hang out at the tracksuit store where, <laughs> like, if a guy with certain right. build comes in, they're like, ten percent off for you, bro. But do a favor for us, and that's, then, then yeah, you're in too I, deep. I, I think that they're just really good at that, at both of those methods of recruiting. And that's, yeah, that last episode. So I loved, <laughs> loved, 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 loved that last episode where there is the shootout, like up at the rainbow room, because it's all at Rockefeller yes. Center, because right. uh, the Christmas tree, this is all a Christmas themed show, right? It's happening around the holidays. So where else are you going to end up with a bloody shootout on the skating rink at Rockefeller Center? Hawkeye is up in the Christmas tree at one point, which they blow up and knock right. over. Knock uh, over the Christmas tree. And right? there's the, they shrink oh. people. There's a there's an owl. Kate and Yelena's fight scene in that episode that moves through all the offices yeah. in the building <laughs> yeah. is just, I mean, it, it's up there. It's not quite as spectacular as the car chase scene, but it is clearly a cut from the same cloth like moving stuff they're sort of panning in and out they're each getting their licks in it's just an, a fabulous a fabulous action scene it's a kind of a funny version of the daredevil hallway fight yes, yes. right yes. and it has a as somebody pointed out i think when we discussed it on biff like it's set up almost like comic book panels because you keep panning into an right. office and it's framed like a panel mm. and then they move on that's so yeah. so good yeah that that whole episode is is good the the bird in the tree because remember the there's that, in the tree. There was that yeah. story about that owl that was in the rockefeller center christmas tree or then or the right oh yeah and, and they're yeah. like, oh, what are they going to do when they had to get the owl out and all that? Well, so they're like, we're going to put an owl in that tree too, and it's going to be a payoff, and it's going to be a whole other. He's going to Hawkeye, carry Hawkeye's is there, and an owl is there before they re. Apparently, before they size up again? that was I mean, the originally supposed to be the the end the post credit sequence was uh, the uh, the uh, van <laughs> with the in the owl's nest basically, but they did the they didn't like, do that one. How yeah. horrifying would that owl pellet be to dissect? You're like, why are there oh, tiny oh, track man. suits in there? What's oh, going on? Track suits. That's the owl. 
just took it's it's a man okay. you made that even darker Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> the um anything about alice it's it's dark it's a little bit dark so we we mentioned elena we should mention so for florence Pugh, who's in in uh, black widow and she's great in black widow uh and yes again cynically as we i said on that episode and earlier this time you could say yes well they got to do a new black widow now that the old black widow is dead yeah also florence Pugh is hilarious and great yes. and so so I mean I get a very Killing Eve vibe from her, which is I think I, the highest compliment that she is both going to murder you, but also kind of quirky and funny. Uh, and here she reappears. I don't have a lot of time for the sitcom level misunderstanding about Clint. She her blaming Clint for for her sister's death, like. I guess it needs to be a motivator, but the whole time I'm like, if you guys could talk for like 10 minutes, you could work yeah. this out and Listen, understand. There, there was sure. a whole two hour, two and a half hour movie between Batman and Superman where you could say the exact <laughs> I, same I know. thing. Well, yes. I didn't love that movie either. So <laughs> I, I guess that's, but, but you know what? But Flo, it doesn't kind of matter because Florence Pugh is just do. She's just so delightful. And, and they put her yes. with Kate Bishop and and talk oh about God, showing somebody the chemistry. ropes. She so shows chemistry. her. She shows her the ropes too, and it's like not the ropes Hawkeye wants to show her, and it's <laughs> it's great. Uh, like just such a great little little appearance by her. If you are not, you know, if you are Kevin Feige and not looking at that and going, we need to have these two actors and scenes yeah. together as much as possible, then yeah. you should lose your job, frankly. Because Avengers Five, the, it's just yeah, Kate uh, and, <laughs> and Florence Pugh, Kate and Yelena. Yelena, yeah. yeah I, I the the two of them in the scene in Kate's apartment is a scene which is all dialogue and right. yet it is edge of your seat like what is gonna happen here and and i think that is just it's amazing it's great writing uh, apparently a lot of uh, some some ad living in there um great performances from both of them like i mean we lauded Haley steinfeld earlier but mm. like if anybody could upstage her it may be florence Pugh. and just the could. two of them seem to did. have oh. so much chemistry well i don't i don't know if any i don't know how many of you have seen killing eve but there are scenes in killing eve where where jody comer and sandra O oh are having conversations and it's very much the same thing which is like i am a killer who may kill you but i may not be interested in killing you i may just want to talk and make jokes but i may also want to kill you and it leads to these scenes that are just dialogue like you said dan and yet within the back of your mind you're like or is she just you know, softening her up before she right. kills her. It's it's <laughs> amazing. Like it really focuses the mind on dialogue when you're worried mm -hmm. somebody is going to kill somebody else in the middle of the dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to get thrown off of the podcast, oh, but no. uh -oh. this is the uh -oh. one oh, no, piece Chip. that bounced off of me. Really? Um, I there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Add a little, add a little sriracha chip. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I'm not going to dwell on it because uh, everybody in the world loved it. Loved it. I was the outlier, so I'm not going to try to drag people along with me. Um, I just there was something about her that just sort of bounced off of me. That in the middle of all of the other sort of unreality and artificiality of the series, the the quirkiness of the dialogue between the two, the I like you, but I'm going to kill you stuff, especially the banter during the fight at the mm -hmm. in the last episode between Kate and Elena mm -hmm. just 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 didn't didn't do it for you. Didn't do me for you. Yeah. I, I felt kind of like uh, those people who don't like the Three Stooges and watch other people <laughs> laughing at the Three Stooges. It just didn't quite <laughs> I, get I, me. I, 
I think what does work for me for the the dynamic there is that it's very clear to me that you and in this sort of I think is in contrast to what you were saying, Jason. Very clear to me that Yelena is not going to kill Kate. Yeah, that is not who she is, and it's fine. That doesn't. It's there's still tension there, but I, I think for me, it's all about Yelena's pulling her punches, and she really is like, look, I, I don't have a problem with you. Like you're just you're in my way, but like I, I kind of like you, and I'm I'm not going to kill you. I just need to get past you. And I I think that it also is part of that is, you know, we see a little bit of Yelena's story. And I love that little vignette that we get about Yelena getting blipped. I think it's like that oh, little five yeah. minutes at the beginning yeah. of her episode. Yeah. Like, it's oh. great stuff. And when you start understanding, you know, and obviously a lot of it's dependent on having seen Black Widow and knowing who that character is. But I think it seems clear to me, like, you know, she's she's not a bad person, right? Like, yes, she has murdered people. Like, who so hasn't is, in so this is show? Hawkeye. So yeah, is Hawkeye, exactly. yeah. Uh, but, like, having that, uh, you know, sort of her trying to feel out having a, a relationship with someone, like a friendship with someone, is also kind mm-hmm. of a big deal. Yeah. So I, I enjoy that sort of dynamic as they're trying to suss each other out and be like, yeah, I kind of feel like we could be friends, but we also just have very different goals right now. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's... I get it, Chip. I mean, it is... It is, it's fine for you to not like that. But take your booberry and go home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Wilson Fisk, we should mention Vincent D'Onofrio. This is one of those things we've seen. uh, Both uh, Matt Murdock appears in a recent spider-based film. And here we get Vincent. (laughs) Spoilers. Yeah, well, I mean. There it is. If, if you've seen, really, if you're listening to this, come on. Uh, but Vincent D'Onofrio is not the only character from Daredevil to appear in an MCU thing in the last couple of months as a cameo. Although, you know, he's, it's a little more than a cameo here. Um, and it's very clearly, you know, he's playing some of the hits of Kingpin, which was a great performance in the Netflix uh, Daredevil series. Uh, they They leave him sort of like... Killed off screen, which means not killed. I think that they, yeah. I think the idea there is that you they maybe. You don't t- bring Vincent D'Onofrio for one episode. No, and I, I get the impression, like, based on comic book lore, there, you know, the, he may come back as being, like, kind of wounded and all that, which is maybe right good because it gives him. It makes him a little less powerful and a little more uh, on the on defense, and maybe that's an interesting character. But but yeah, it, it it's fun to see him. He gets a big fight with Kate. Uh, we know how scary he is because if you saw Daredevil, he's scary. So uh, although he's very powerful in a way that maybe uh, I I saw some people are like, why is Kingpin nigh indestructible? I was like, I don't know. He's a kingpin. He just is, man. You can't kill yeah, him. Don't worry about it. He's just like, yeah. He is, he's dense. He's bitten yeah. by a radioactive, radioactive bowling donut. pin. <laughs> yes. Or something. I don't know. Cue ball, really. But it's great. Would, it was great I to see him. That. Because again, just like it took me back to season one of Daredevil, where it's like, oh, Vincent D'Onofrio with your weird breathing and your eyes and your just mm. all these strange. His, I mean, his, uh, his weird delivery. Talk like, about good casting. Yeah. Like yeah. he's such a an odd actor and, and and to pour all that into Kingpin, it's like, it's just, it's just really great. It's so very particular. He's very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like, I like him a lot. I, I think it's interesting to watch him here and, you know, try to draw those lines in your head. Uh, he said he, to his mind, he is playing the same character from the uh, Daredevil series, sure. uh, which is totally fine. Um, obviously there are a few differences, I did laugh at his Hawaiian shirt, Hawaiian which I shirts. feel like yeah. I, I, I know I is a, it. it is a 
It is a comic book reference. I can also not imagine the Daredevil version of that character ever wearing that shirt, but he's wearing the cufflinks. I love the, uh, like, I love the headcanon that he got blipped and he's down on his luck yeah. and all he can afford is this stupid Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> but like, I mean, D'Onofrio is great. He is He has a presence to him. It's so undeniable. And watching him in these scenes is just fantastic. It's nice to see him back. And I agree with you. You kill him off screen because come on, he's Vincent D'Onofrio playing Kingpin. You don't, you don't, you don't bring him back for, for all that fanfare for one episode, only to toss him aside yeah. again. No, yeah, they gotta have there's, plans. there's more there, for sure. There, there's got to be more there. Maybe in the Echo series, almost uh, certainly. Yeah, maybe. I would think so. Or, I also or maybe see him pop up in movies from time to time too. What just, are they doing just... with Daredevil too? <laughs> yeah, that? right, right. What are they doing with Daredevil? Mm-hmm. My wish casting is that you're going to see Daredevil and Kingpin in an upcoming Spider-Man movie because oh. because there's a sweet spot in the 80s and 90s that it seems that Kevin Feige and a lot of the Marvel brass those are comics that they really loved and that stretch of Marvel comics uh Spider-Man and Daredevil were buds you know sitting up on a rooftop watching Galactus uh, going to fight and saying yep yep this is this is way out of our league uh, you want some popcorn <laughs> yeah if you're wish casting i want to see jessica jones and in 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 this too i would have liked to have actually seen an easter egg here where she's she's just sipping coffee as she watches the fight go on given the daredevil (laughs) stuff coming back i would i feel like i wouldn't bet against any of that yeah mike coulter i i would i would love for except for maybe danny rescued yeah well you can leave iron fist in the past leave iron fist in the past leave him he's gone there there are plenty of other monasteries in the himalaya who have we have a shang chi now we don't need a danny rand yeah exactly right yes but but i would take mike coulter in some other form too because because he was great there there are all those things that they now have access to um, it, it actually is funny that I know this is a little aside, but it's funny. Marvel now has so, access to so much material with um, their Disney's purchase of Fox and with with uh, with the Netflix stuff having reached the end of their exclusivity window. And they they've literally they can't deploy it all fast enough. Right. Like that. That that's the thing is that is that, you know, it took them a while to get to these little moments uh, with things like Kingpin and what else uh, might they do? Plus there's the X-Men and Fantastic Four and all that that's kind of floating out there. So like there's just so much and it's kind of interesting because we we want to see some of it, but like there's only so much they can do with it. I think it's, it goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, which I think has been a really smart move by the MCU brass the entire time, which is, look, we have this huge field of IP and it's only getting bigger, but we have the luxury to be able to, when we bring stuff to screen, say, let's take what works and let's leave what doesn't behind. Yeah. So being able to pull in you know, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio because it's like, look, those they were great. They were great at what they did. Absolutely. Yes, does this mean we have to pull in every single thing from the Netflix shows? It doesn't. We can just choose what we want. Where is Senor Foggy? Where is yes. Senor Foggy? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't bet against him showing up against I love, either because that's also great, I great casting. Uh, but I mean, it lets them do that and say like, we can take the stuff that we liked and we can sort of pick and choose just as we've done with the comics and say like, we don't have to faithfully represent, nor could we like 70 years of comics continuity because that would be a mess, but we can pull the stuff that that works and remix it into something that is, you know, f- sufficient for our audience. Sure. What about the sort of tone of this, this Hawkeye series? Uh, you, you know, compare it to the old Netflix shows. Uh, this is much lighter, much less uh, graphic. 
mm-hmm. much harsher. It's very Disney Plus. It's very PG thirteen, which yep. I said on the Spider Man No Way Home. I think that's for me my sweet spot for Marvel content. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I also compare this to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And the stakes are kind of similar for both shows, and they're both sort of kind of grounded in the same way. And yet this has just so much more character, just so much f- more flair. Um, I, I think that for 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 baseline non-superpowered non- uh, Marvel stories, I think this is the gold standard right now. I like the, I mean, you can tell different kinds of stories. Like, I like Loki because it is a weird time travel adventure. And obviously, uh, WandaVision is all about playing with, like, TV formats and things like that. But I I will, I'll go with you, Chip, that I think there is a great freedom in saying, here are some characters you know and some characters you don't. And they got into a mess and they got to figure it out. And I don't know, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I know there were production issues, but they also seem kind of weighed down with like, it's a global scale and there's a big thing. And it's like, maybe it's, it's about okay. refugees and it's about racial identity yeah, they, in America. And right. It's and about, it might have been about a pandemic, but we had to yeah. delete that part because, yeah. you know, reasons. So whereas Hawkeye <laughs> yeah. is like, you know, Hawkeye went to New York for Christmas and he got into some trouble and he met some interesting people. And here's the story. And he got a dog. And he got it done. The end, right? Like it's it's okay. And we find out his wife was in Shield. Like boom, yeah. you know. So, I, so I hadn't got so there, but yes, that's uh-huh. people. Yeah. Also, people on the internet who are like, "Oh, what does it mean? The watch? What does it mean?" It's like you know, all they're really trying to do there is give you a a little Easter egg yeah. about where Linda Cardellini came from. That's maybe really he met all his wife at do. work. That's what they're trying yeah. to tell you. He yeah. met yeah. his wife <laughs> at work. Not, I wanted to say, as per Chip's point, like uh, the tone. I, I think this, there's a reason this. I, I think is my favorite of the shows. And I think it's just because it is fun, just like it is unabashedly fun. It's very lighthearted. Yep. It totally nails that tone for me. And I, I liked, I've loved all the shows in various ways. I think this is one of the first that I would imagine going back and rewatching a lot just because I feel like it's just the entertainment value is so mm-hmm. high. And I mean, to be fair to Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think they shot for something much higher. They were much more ambitious, yeah. as you said, with the global scale. And they were trying to deal with some really big issues. And that's hard. Like they, it was a hard job they gave themselves, and I they didn't quite manage to nail it. But you got like a degree of difficulty thing going on there too. So I, I agree that I, I think you know for for me this tone really does kind of nail where the MCU does its best work. Is we're gonna be fun. We're gonna have some feels and some emotional discussions. But overall, this is this is about people like you know having doing action scenes and trading quips, and that's a pretty great place for the MCU. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, even the heavy parts were light. Yeah, in this, yeah, right? right? Like that. That was. It was really cool. It was kind of like Ant Man, right? It was. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Ragnarok. Um, yes. In terms of in terms of tone, but it was more Ant Man in terms of uh, grounded. You know, groundedness. Even though they wind up in the quantum realm in, in Ant Man, but but uh, this was. Yeah, this was it was fun. It was delightful uh watching rewatching it for um for for this uh was was not a chore at all. And also, I think 6 episodes was like the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the yep, the 6th yep, yep. episode yeah. was a little bit longer. It was, you know, most of the episodes were about 35 40 minutes. The the last episode was about an hour. I think it clocked in at around 57 minutes, but of course, 
the last three minutes of that was the post-credit full <laughs> I could do this all day number, um, oh. which was worth every penny. Um, my, my partner was sitting and watching, didn't watch the entire series. I was so upset with her because she didn't sit down and watch the series with me. And I was like, hey, come come and watch this. You'll love this. And she didn't. But then she came and she watched the, like, the last episode and a half. And then by the time we got to the end of it and we're watching the number at the end, I'm tapping my feet and she is just laughing at me <laughs> because I love musicals and she doesn't. Right? So, um, and even this fake Rogers, the musical um, wasn't a musical, but it was a musical. It was a musical number uh, and it gave legitimate Broadway people. Those were definitely Broadway people gave legitimate Broadway people mm -hmm. something to do when they didn't have a chance to do. So I can do that all day. Let's, uh, let's go. All right. Yeah. I, the length thing, I think they're still trying to find their way. And I do think that since there are no actual like time slots to fill, that they're going to get better at figuring out what the right pace is of a story and saying, if it's six or seven or eight or nine or five or four, like whatever like it doesn't really matter because yeah this felt right sized and i didn't get that like the netflix shows we talked about it way back All when right, so they, they sagged deep in the middle because netflix wanted everything to be 13 episodes and 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 this is just there's no time for sagging it's just this, this. really i will say if anything i got to the end of every episode thinking like <gasps> That's the end? Yeah. But, uh, right. I need more. I need more right now. Inject it into my veins. I'd rather have that than when you're sure. like, yeah. okay, not only do I have my laptop open because I'm looking at something else, I might also have my iPad open. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God, no. I used to do with the Netflix shows, I would watch, like invariably watch like seven episodes in a day. And then you have that like hungover feeling from like, yes. oh God, I just, yes. I ate so much candy and watched so much <laughs> right. Netflix. I watched so much Daredevil. Ugh. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like this is the thing is, is I had to break up Daredevil devil into like half episode chunks because otherwise it was just too much but this was like perfect holiday viewing because yes, and what i loved about the timing of the series is it started like right during thanksgiving week when you're beginning to gear up into that and it ended right before christmas and you're like we've all been on a journey together we can all enjoy christmas now <laughs> Yeah, it was an interesting and, decision yeah. on their part to, mm -hmm. to time it this way, but it actually ended up being kind of fun. It's it like, perfect. well, what if what if Marvel did a Christmas movie? What would that be? And the answer is, I in the end, Hawkeye's in in a tree and they blow up the Christmas tree and they shoot a bunch <laughs> of people on the ice at Rockefeller. I mean, it would be this, and it's good. It's fun. Giant arrow on the Manhattan Bridge. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, don't don't worry about these things. Please right. don't. I'm sorry. I'm so tired of episode like blog posts but there's a giant plot hole they never shrink the thing well, Hank Pym is back and he's got Pym particles that ruins everything about Endgame guys Jesus settle down it's, yeah. it's gonna be okay it's enjoy gonna be fun it's the just ride. a TV show yeah, yeah. Enjoy any final thoughts ride. about about Hawkeye before we wrap it up it was a lot of fun it was delightful it was yeah. delightful right yeah. like that's I'm a I'm a 45 year old black man from New York City I don't say delightful <laughs> I think you were delighted. You could but basically sing the song that yes, they were singing exactly. at the end of it. Yeah. 
well, that's good. I'm just curious if people think there's going to be like, are we going to do a second season? Are we going to do a show that's just about Kate? I don't know, but I like, I'm kind of here for any of it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for, I'm here for more Kate Bishop. Absolutely. I, I sure. want a show about Jack where Jack becomes a LARPer because he thinks it's fun. <laughs> is, that, is that some sort of leisure activity? Yes, some yes. sort of leisure activity. And like the next time there's like a big apocalyptic battle in New York, you see him on like a white steed leading a phalanx of LARPers <laughs> into the fray. Like that is my, my, my wish yes. casting. It was yes. just like there wasn't it. anything really depressing about this series. If if there weren't any big bring down moments, if that makes sense, and there was and there wasn't anything infuriating about the the character development, and it was just fun and it fit, like it made sense in the context of the MCU. I, I, I wouldn't really mind it. seeing Hawkeye in some other places as mm-hmm. superhero dad. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I also want to see Kate Bishop do some other stuff. If they did another Hawkeye series together, I think that would be fun. I'm not sure that that's in their plans, but I'm reminded that the second half of the Fraction series was basically yeah, two Kate. two storylines alternating with Kate yeah. and and and, uh, and Clint. And I could see a pitch like that, right? Which is we're going to tell two stories with them, maybe on opposite coasts, and have it, you know, have the stories come together at the end. But yeah. whatever it is, I, you know, I would, I wouldn't mind seeing Clint again, and I definitely want to see Kate again because that was a lot of fun. And now they've got their, they've got their new Hawkeye that they can put out there. Well, we've we've seen the television show Kate and Alley. How about Kate and Elena? Kate and Elena. Oh, oh sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do it. I'm I'm feeling really good about the future of the MCU right now in movies and TV. You know, as an old, old comics fan, I've got access to 60 years worth of stories. And I'm always kind of unnerved by the fact that, you know, I would have liked more stories with Chris Evans's Captain America. I would have liked more stories with all of these characters because um there is an, a, a comparative infinite number of comics and only so many TV shows and movies that you can that you can put out. But what Marvel's doing with introducing new characters like Kate um, and and sort of bridging them and with some of the other new characters sort of in the pipeline, um, they're just constantly reloading and they're doing it with interesting actors and actresses and characters. Um, I'm I'm just even even when we're uh, well past the time that we're going to get any more Iron Man and Captain America movies, at least as part of this continuity, they're continuing to reload. Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. There's a, it's a a good sign, um, and yeah, casting is a big part of that too. A lot of good casting here. Well, uh, can't wait for the next one. Oh, it, is it Moon Knight, Dan? Is Moon Knight it's the Moon next Knight one? Time, Jason. <laughs> oh, no. Get ready. Oh, I'm actually lo- really looking forward to that. I, 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 we, we kid. Who the heck is Moonlight? But um, did you wish for something real hard, Dan? I, 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 said, I that monkey's paw. I was using. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> I, I have liked Moon Knight a lot in the comics, so I'm looking forward to to Oscar Isaac bring it on. But uh, that wraps up our conversation about Hawkeye. Let me thank my panelists one last time. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Chip Sutter, thank you. I could do this all day. <laughs> uh, Dan, Dan Morin, thank you. Bro, thank you, bro. <laughs> all right. Lisa Schmeiser, thank you. If I met Huey Lewis, I'd be speechless. <laughs> and Cicero Holmes, thank you. I love Imagine Dragons, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to everyone out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We will see you next time. <laughs>